Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Breaking Bad episode. For the final time, we're here for the series recap, the last episode on our Breaking Bad coverage. We've done every single episode. We've done El Camino. We are we are pumped and ready to wrap this up. Uh, not that we're excited to end this show because we love this show, um, but uh, we're ultimately uh, excited and ready to uh, bring this to a close in a way and uh, I guess conclude everything because it's been a nice little journey, our shortest ever TV series recap we've done, but uh, maybe the quickest one we've ever done, which is interesting, kind of the shortest and then the quickest and everything along those lines. My name is Ben and I'm classical and you're jazz. <laughs> and my name's Nick, and uh, let's keep it real, all right? We make poison for people who don't care. We probably have the most unpicky customers in the world. That's exactly the motto of the Oz Network, so I'm <laughs> glad that you um that you I always that. appreciate that quote because it does feel like it could be about the Oz Network or meth. <laughs> the, <laughs> the same the- thing. The, the 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 best one I liked is um I re-listened to our Nip Tuck series recap just to kind of get a refresher on how we do these episodes because it's been a few years, um and the best one is that you open that with with let's just be honest and call this podcast shit oh well they they should be just, they should be honest and just call this show shit or whatever it was, um so that that ties in very well. Uh, but, yeah, this is the third time we've at least recorded a series recap. At the time of this being released, I'm hoping it's our fourth one because I'm hoping we've finished Lost finally by the time this has been released. I know that this has been released essentially in October 2022. Spoiler alert, we're recording this in December 2021. Uh, whereas at the time of recording this, we're nowhere near finishing Lost. We're into the final season. I'm hoping Noah just pulls his finger out of his butt. That's an unpleasant image. And uh, actually finish. But anyway, we're not here to complain about Noah and the Oz Network's production schedule. We're here to talk about Breaking Bad. Now, Nick, on that Nip Tuck series recap episode, which is great. Go back and listen to our Nip Tuck coverage. Um, We said at the end of that, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do Breaking Bad next year. And I'm possibly soon. Um, That was like two, three years ago, I think, at the time of recording this, Um, which in all fairness... I was was I living in New Zealand at the time when we finished Nip Tuck and I moved there or was I still in Australia? I might have still been. No, nah, I don't think you had moved because I don't think we actually did any podcasting while you're in New Zealand, which is kind of weird. But which yeah. is dumb. We're in the same time zone. Like we're yeah. so convenient. I could have gotten a plane and done it in person. I stayed at your house. We never recorded anything except like the brink. But um, yeah, so I thought we we initially were like, yeah, we'll do Breaking Babylon. There, it works out well. We didn't. Um, we started it at the beginning of 2021 when I was in Canada. We ended it when I was back in Australia. So it was kind of it was interesting how it all played out. But I, I'm I'm it it's bro it's breeze by. Like I can't believe we're at the end right now. But um, it's it's kind of crazy to think we're finishing. But I've enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it more than Nip Tuck. I mean that can be a question we can ask in this episode. But uh, it's been an enjoyable ride covering this show. 
Yeah, I think um, the thing too is like when you get to a long series and, you know, like Nip Tuck was a hundred plus hour recap. So, you know, a lot of episodes and, um, you know, you do need a bit of a breather. Like you do need time to be like, oh, I don't have to, you know, watch episodes. Even if you love the show and you love talking about it, it's still nice to have a bit of a breather. But our breather turned into like two and a half years or something. So, yeah, yeah that's just how it goes sometimes. Life gets in the way and, and all of that. And yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the TV show, there's no question that I love Breaking Bad more. But in some ways it was fun talking about Nip Tuck and especially ripping shit out of them because um, I didn't do that that often on Breaking Bad um, and I actually listened this morning um, when I was out walking my dog so I listened to um, our pilot episode again of Breaking Bad and um, and I said at the time oh I might not you know I might not um, been any episodes of the show which has turned out to be correct um, yeah. so, so yeah it was just quite interesting kind of looking back at what our kind of expectations were of it and yeah I mean it, it has breezed by um, I'm I am really sad to, to see the end of this. Like, a, a, it, it's a little bit emotional. It's been like, a, you know, like a, a, so much fun talking about the show and, and a lot of time has gone in, which hopefully the, the listeners appreciate in terms of, you know, watching the episodes, listening to commentaries, reading books, you know, watching commentaries, uh, watching documentaries, whatever it is. Like, I think we've put the time in to try and, you know, make sure we bring a good coverage to this. And I think it's been worth it because, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversations that we've had about the show. It's, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's interesting, actually, comparing Nip Tuck to Breaking Bad. So I, I did a top 50 TV shows of all time list on my website a couple of years ago. Uh, I had Breaking Bad at six and Nip Tuck at four. So very close. <laughs> and the one in the middle of those shows, Survivor. So right. um, looking at my top six, uh, you can tell that I get my way on this show, apparently, because uh, what am I in my top six? Third Watch, did all of it. 24, we're doing it right now. ER, we'd love to do it, but that's going to take fucking it's 15 seasons. I don't know if I can commit to that. Um, Nip Tuck, four. Survivor, obviously, five. Breaking Bad, six. And number seven, Nick and our next project, Friends, coming soon oh, in 2027. Uh, when yeah. <laughs> and then Lost is at number eight. So there you go. Right, um, right. So, uh, yeah, very selfish. But, like, it's... It's interesting because we talked up on the Nip Tuck one about how, like, we were an exclusive podcast. No one had ever covered Nip Tuck before, and we still are. We are still the only podcast we ever covered Nip Tuck and Third Watch. But you kind of mentioned that not a lot of shows out there had done Breaking Bad from beginning to end. Now, I don't want to say we're the only ones because we're not. There, there has to be Breaking Bad podcasts out there that have done it from start to finish. So... It's still a unique thing, though, because Breaking Bad is a show you would assume that there's 58 podcasts out there that have done it from beginning to end, but there's maybe not as many. I'd, I'd argue there are more Survivor podcasts than there are Breaking Bad podcasts. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. But, I mean, general question, you kind of gave your thoughts there, but we ask this in all of our series recaps. Having rewatched this closely, you're taking notes, you're coming on every week talking an hour about the episode afterwards – does it change your perspective of the show? Does it make you enjoy it more? Does it make you think about it differently? Do you maybe not enjoy it as much when you have to be critical about it? I mean, any kind of thoughts in regards to how this may have changed your perception of Breaking Bad? Um, I've only become more obsessed with it, I think. Like, and you know, I, I think it's just made me appreciate it even more. And it's going to be quite hard not you know getting off this call when we, when we finish up and being like okay i don't have to watch another episode because there isn't any more and obviously we've got medical source so we, we've still got some stuff to mine there if we choose to um but but yeah i think it, it is to me this is a show that just gets better and better and so it, it's probably been more um time consuming kind of preparing for these episodes as we've gone on because there's more information 
the episodes are more intense and i think you know as it as it picked up steam and turned from a cult show into a, an incredibly popular one there's more information and more opinions about it so trying to get a bit of a feel for that is something that we've tried to do as well and so yeah it, it's i think my appreciation of the show's only grown from from doing the the podcast i would completely agree with that because i think i said at the very beginning that it's a show that i like you know love but i've maybe only watched it through I want to say twice when we started this, I hadn't really watched. So my knowledge wasn't as high as say yours was or obsessive as yours was. Um, you know, I think it was a bit reversed on Nip Tuck, uh, but I, I liked that. I like, like obviously a show like third watch, I can sit down and like pretend that I'm the most knowledgeable person on the planet for a show like third watch, because it's not a massive show. Whereas like, say when I come onto a show like breaking bad or when I've done lost with Noah, I'm not the main fan of that show on those podcasts. Like not Noah is the lost obsessed. I love lost, but like, I'm not the guy who went out and bought books and did all this sort of stuff. Whereas I can bring that to nip tuck. I can bring that to 24. I can bring that to third watch. Whereas, yeah, this, so I like kind of having you there to have this. I mean, you literally bought cookbooks and things like that. And uh, all these kind of things along the way, which kind of adds to it. And, you know, we're, we're a bit, we like to be fun. Uh, so we try to be fun and kind of add things to it. And um, I think, yeah, I'm with you. It, it definitely adds, I appreciate it more. I mean, I, I technically did two rewatches through this because at the same time as I was watching this, I basically got to a point where I'm like, oh, I just want to speed watch some of these episodes. So I went and forward watched like basically, I think the last three seasons and then El Camino before watching them again to take notes on them to do it. So I think now my count is at four times I've rewatched the show from memory, but like it's legitimately, you get to the end, it's a show where you kind of like, I could just do this straight away. I could watch it again. Like I have no qualms in, in rewatching this immediately after Felina and, and El Camino. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it is one of those things where you will find new stuff the more you watch it. You know, there will always be a, a scene that you appreciate more or there'll be, you know, there'll, there'll be something that you didn't notice the first time or you see in a different light. And, and I think that's what makes the show so good. It's really interesting to me because I think like people have, you know, when people ask, you know, what's your favorite TV show? Like I probably would have just said Survivor, but I think probably in the back of my head, it's like, well, I probably like Breaking Bad more, but it feels kind of like you know I have to say Survivor, and I've certainly spent more time watching, rewatching, listening to podcasts, you know, doing podcasts, writing about, reading about Survivor. But actually, I think the show is better um, in terms of you know my appreciation of it is higher. Um, if you know if I could only have one TV show to watch for the rest of my life, it would probably be Breaking Bad, not survivor um so yeah i think it, it, it's allowed me to kind of you know go through and really kind of articulate what it is that i love about the show again there's no real structure to this series wrap up we we do what we do and just kind of go over some thoughts i mean the, the main thing we're obviously going to go over is our top 10 moments but just if you want to hear i guess a lot of things around thoughts on cast and seasons and obviously our series our season recaps are where you kind of listen to those but i guess just um Open-ended question on the main cast. I'll maybe start with how we started our Nip Tuck one. You know, that was more prominent, I feel, in Nip Tuck where you, where you were Team Christian or Team Sean. This one, similar question around Jesse and, and Walt. I mean, I don't they don't play it up as much as they do in Nip Tuck. Like, it, it is the Walt show. This is the Walt show, but obviously Jesse becomes more of a major thing along the way. But um, I guess I'll ask you, because I know you're Team Walt, but, like, I appreciate that you seem to appreciate Jesse more this rework because you, I think, said at the very beginning that you weren't always the biggest Jesse fan. But I feel you've come away from this rewatch appreciating the character of Jesse a lot more. Is is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I watched the show to see Walt's transformation. That's the thing I'm most invested in. But yeah, I've definitely appreciated Jesse. I think one of the things like Jesse and Jane, I've enjoyed a whole lot more this time around. 
um, you know, I, th I think I can really appreciate what they're trying to do with that. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, and Aaron Paul's amazing, you know, and I think having things like El Camino and, you know, like watching El Camino after you've watched Breaking Bad gives it a level of depth, which I really appreciate. But, yeah, he's amazing. And, and just seeing that kind of transformation in him is, is really exciting. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely come to appreciate Aaron Paul, the Jesse character, more um, as not just a kind of fun add-on when it works, but actually like an essential part of the show to kind of show the humanity of both those characters um, as you go through the show. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I've always been a big Jesse fan and I think it's just kind of interesting analysing him and his development of his character and just even when he doesn't seemingly have a lot to do, you still get a lot out of him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, Brian Cranston, Walt, just incredible maybe one of the greatest characters in all of television you know so good and just goes back to my very point from the very beginning about how uh, part of maybe why i avoided this show for so long was because he's always how from malcolm the middle to me and how am i going to picture him as, as something else because to me that would just be be odd but um no at the end of the day he's now he's now warp like i can't watch malcolm in the middle i watched malcolm in the middle on a plane this year and uh it was still entertaining and you kind of get flipped in that. Like, and Brian Cranston does comedy better than no one else, really. Like, I mean, he's a great comedic actor, but he's also an amazing, like, he's just, he's just a double threat. Like, I don't know if he can sing and dance, like, uh, help us if he can. Um, so maybe you can. I don't know. I did see that, uh, when he filmed El Camino that he was uh, on Broadway at the time and he won a Tony. So, oh, wow. I'm guessing he, I, I know not all Broadway is musicals, but I mean, he won something. So, uh, there is that, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting kind of watching the behind the scenes, especially on, in season five of kind of like just how funny he is. Like, you know, like it's a really serious role for him, especially towards the end. But, you know, like we've seen some kind of funny moments from him on the show and obviously that, you know, I've got you, I've got got it right here, you know, like we've got that. But also that one where he tries to get out the door, you know, the boarded in door at, at Saul's office and he kind of like bounces off the door, like some like kind of physical comedy there. But like just how funny he is behind the scenes and you've got this kind of like him and um and rj Mitty are, are, are talking to the camera and rj Mitty's been like oh you know i'm really gonna miss working with brian and you know brian's such an inspiration and brian's just like you're a liar you know like you know as soon as the camera's off you're gonna go and you know say that to somebody you know <laughs> and then like when they're doing the um the death scene for for hank and um you can kind of see everybody's like intensely watching this and then they have this kind of joke where um you know um, brian cranston's pretending that he doesn't know the cameras on him and he's like, Oh, thank God that guy's been killed off the show. I couldn't work with him another day. And just like, yeah, just like, it's really funny. He's just, so those kind of comedic chops never really leave him, even though it becomes a much more kind of serious role as we go along. He won the Tony for the play he was in called Network in 2019. Second Tony he won. He won it back in 2014 for All the Way, where he played Lyndon B. Johnson. I guess he then got automatically handpicked to be in the movie, of course, with that. Right. But um, pretty pretty uh, decent people he beat that year. He beat Jeff Daniels. He beat Adam Driver. Uh, the year before, Andrew Garfield won the uh, the uh, Tony. So he'd be halfway to an EGOT. I don't know if he's ever won a Grammy. I mean, usually uh, these actors win Grammys because they are narrators of, like, books. So I know he's been nominated for an Oscar, but, uh, I mean, Brian Cranston is deserving of an EGOT. Come on, he needs that. He, he would be he would be great on audiobook, wouldn't he? Like, I keep looking because there's this – I see on Audible there's, like, a free audiobook, which has um, been read. It's got Aaron Paul and and um, Kristen Ritter, and I, and I keep meaning oh. to download it and have a listen to it. Um, but, yeah, he'd be great as an um, – um, Brian Cranston would be great at reading audiobooks. Surely, sure. Like, because, I mean, I've, there's some weird people out there who have won Grammys for, uh, you know, narrating an audiobook. 
So I'm just scrolling through his awards that he's won, and it doesn't look like he's even been nominated for a Grammy. So, um, you know, he's been nominated for an Oscar. So maybe this is one of those things, if he gets nominated again and wins an Oscar, maybe he'll go, okay, I need to win myself a Grammy. Uh, so for those who don't know, he was nominated for Trumbo back in 2006. I've not seen the film, so I don't know what it is. Um, but was that the year... Did he lose to Jared Leto that year? No, Casey Affleck. No, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course, that was the year that uh, he won for The Revenant. Right. So uh, up against Matt Damon, Michael Fassbender, and Eddie Redmayne. So uh, interesting uh, category there. Brian Cranston's a man who deserves an Oscar, let's be honest. Um, other, just quickly on the other main cast of it. Um, again, we went over this in all the seasons, but was there, was there any standout from the main cast for you that maybe you never appreciate and all of a sudden you do. So I'll just quickly go over. So the other main cast, uh, the, these are the ones who were officially main cast members credited through the six, uh, the five seasons. So obviously uh, outside of Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, Anna Garner, Skyler, Dean Norris as Hank, Betsy Brand as Marie, RJ Media's Walt White Jr., Bob Odenkirk as Sol, Giancarlo Esposito as Gus Fring, Jonathan Banks as Mike Trout, Laura Fraser as Lydia Redant Quayle, and Jesse Plemons as Todd Alquist. So, Maybe the shortest, maybe the smallest group of our main cast we've ever had on on the Aussie. Well, yeah. comparable to Nip Tuck, I guess Nip Tuck had a few here and there, but I, I'd say this is a few less. But anyone that stands out that maybe uh, you liked a lot better in this rewatch than you didn't appreciate before? Mm, I, I mean, maybe Anna Gunn in terms of liking her more, but I always thought she was great, you know. And I think if you're going to kind of look at, there's some great characters there, but I think kind of that top three of Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, and Anna Gunn are all amazing, and the rest are fantastic as well. They all have their moments to shine. Even RJ Mitty, who's you know like doesn't have a lot of screen time, I think that that scene in Ozymandias is amazing. Um, so yeah, there are there are definitely moments for all of them. Um, Betsy Brandt has her moments as well. So yeah, I I, um, I think that they're all great when they need to be. But I think you know, apart from the main two, I think Anna Gunn really does need to be pointed out as somebody that's just phenomenal on the show. I hundred percent agree, and I think that as I said in the the series five one, it's just I just hate that she gets hate. Um, I just hate that the character Skylar gets hate because she's amazing and I just I think she's so good and she's the one that I can literally look at and go like how is she not more of a thing because um, she's so good in this show and I just I feel so bad for her that she just got so much hate for this show uh, which is just not warranted. The character is great. Her character is needed and it's just yeah but I mean I'm an obviously Gus Till I Die fan um, you know up there again as I always say with Benjamin Linus as maybe the greatest TV villains have ever been I put that to Noah and I think Noah was very much Team Ben as a Lost fan but um, I don't know like that I'd love to have an episode where we all just come on and have a round table discussion I know you've never seen Lost so I don't know how you could really be or have you seen Lost yeah. I, no I haven't you, seen you Lost haven't. so like it would kind of I don't know how you would rate that but um yeah, I mean, God, if I saw Michael Emerson and Giancarlo Esposito in something together, that's automatically like, buy it, put it on right now, I want to see it. Um, but, yeah, like, Dean Norris is somebody who I think that, again, as we've talked up, is just so underappreciated of how good of an actor he is. He's so typecast as a one-note character, and he's actually really good when he got given stuff to do. Uh, Betsy Brandt, I was kind of always, I began this, didn't I, going, it's, you know, uh, Marie, but then by the end of it, she, I love her. Um, Mike's great. Uh, Soul, of course, is amazing. Um, and just, yeah, obviously Lydia weirdly gets uh, her own. Again, you forget that they're kind of main cast members for like yeah. the few episodes they're in, right? I think it is weird to, to not weird, but it's, it's interesting to kind of think that, you know, you had quite a few of these characters who I don't think that the producers had plans to kind of grow them into what they became. I mean, the Aaron Paul, Jesse story from season one is the obvious one that they were planning to kill him off and then they, they 
um, didn't. Um, but even like Dean Norris, I don't think they really had a, a plan for Hank to turn into this this kind of awesome hero that we kind of like are really, really sad when he dies at the end. You know, that's not something you're really expecting. So, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's really interesting to kind of point out that, you know, like I think these actors kind of show so much that, you know, the, the producers, the writers find reasons to give them more or, you know, make their character bigger or whatever it is because they're just, yeah, they, they just kind of knock it out of the park. I'm a man who loves his stats, and uh, as always, I kind of like going over episode counts. Now, obviously, when it comes to episode counts, technically our main six are in every episode because they're credited. So, obviously, uh, Brian Cranston, Anna Garner, Aaron Paul, Dean Norris, Betsy Brown, and RJ Meaty. But as we know, a credit doesn't mean an appearance. Uh, so, Wikipedia actually has a nice little section here where they've actually got a total count of them in both uh, Better Call Saul and in Breaking Bad. So, I'll, I'll maybe pose a different question to you in just a moment about who you think appears the most in all over all of them. But in terms of just Breaking Bad, our only two that appear in all the episodes are, of course, uh, Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul. Now, again, Anna Gunn technically does. Her voice is heard in Fly, even though it is a an archive voice. So, and then I guess there's that one episode, of course, where Aaron Paul doesn't say anything, but he's still in it. So, um, Brian Cranston's the only one who's in every episode who talks in every episode. Uh, Aaron Paul's in every episode, but one episode he doesn't talk. And then Anna Gunn is in every episode and one episode, you just hear her voice for like five seconds or whatever it is. Um, outside of that, uh, Dean Norris was in 52 episodes. Uh, RJ Mitty was in 53 episodes. Betsy Brandt was in 51 episodes. Um, now, in terms of Bob Odenkirk, because I'm, I'm looking at a total here when it comes to his combined one, uh, 43 episodes of Breaking Bad he was in. Um, and behind him, you then got to look at uh, Stephen Michael Cazeta for Gomi. Uh, rest in peace, Gomi. He was in 33 episodes. Jonathan Banks, Mike Ermatrout was in 28. Giancarlo Esposito was Gus. Only 26 episodes. It feels like he was in more, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And then, see, outside of that, you've got uh, Skinny Pete, Charles Baker, was in our good friend here on the Oz Network, 15 episodes. Todd, Jesse was actually, Jesse Plemons was in 13. Uh, the same amount as Ted Beneke, Christopher Cousins, <laughs> uh, Laura Fraser as Lydia Rodart Quiles in 12. I'll just go over the people who have been 10 or more here, so there's a few more to go. Badger, Matt Jones was in 12. ASAC George Mercart was in uh, 11 episodes, Michael Seamus Wiles. Huel, Lavelle Crawford was in 11. And Tyrus Kitt, Ray Campbell was only in 10. So people like Jane, for example, was only in 9 episodes. Carmen in 9. Andrew only in 9. Uh, the, the Francesca, the secretary for Better Call Soul, uh, was in nine. So things like that. And then you look at someone like Tia Salamanca, only in eight. Victor, only in eight, you know, yeah. so kind of interesting looking at that. Um, so here's a question for you. Who do you think has appeared in most episodes? And we'll include El Camino here. So Breaking Bad, Better Call Soul, El Camino, who is in the most? Like episode slash movie. Well, I think it's. It's got to be either Bob Odenkirk or Jonathan Banks, I think. They're the top two. Uh, yeah, that, so would, that would be my guess. Um, I'm going to say Bob Odenkirk because I think he's got to be in just about every episode of Better Call Saul and he's in a few more episodes of this than Jonathan Banks is. So, yeah, that kind of makes 86 sense. 86 he's been in in total. Uh, Jonathan Banks has been in 74. Of course, that does include right. El Camino as well. But judging on that, the next best is Brian Cranston, because then, or Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, because they've both been in 63, if you include yep. um, El Camino. 
Uh, and then, of course, Scar Anagan, 62. And then Classic. Yeah, John even... Esposito must be up there too, though, is he? Where's, uh, where's he 51. So he's still right. been in less than yeah, uh, I, Walter I think, Mid- uh, Yeah, so Walter White Jr., yeah. Yeah, because I think you kind of think of him as being really important to season two, but he's not really. He, like, he's in like a couple of episodes of season two, and like, even, you know, like that episode where. Um, you know, Walt goes to, to see him and he's not there and kind of Victor meets him and, the, you know, and says go to this drop-off location. So even though he's a part of that episode, he doesn't actually feature. So, yeah, he's he's probably only in one or two episodes of season two and then, you know, most of season three and four. Um, Which, and then he doesn't arrive in Better Call Saul until, like, what is it, season three, I think? Season three, yeah. And I should preface this by saying, because, again, if people are listening to this in October 2022 and, and Better Call Saul season six is, is out, people are probably yeah. like, oh, like, well, this is weird, there, there are more because... Because we're doing this when we haven't got season six of Better Call yeah. Soul. So looking at that, um, Rhea Seahorn, Kim Wexler, of course, has been in uh, 49 episodes. So that will right. obviously, she will jump ahead of people like Dean Norris and, and Betsy right. Brandt, of course. Um, so, yeah. And, like, I can't wait to do Better Call Soul because I love the Kim character. Um, so, and I, I mean, that's the biggest question we've got coming into the final season of Better Call Soul. Like, what the hell happens to her? Because yeah, uh, she's not absolutely. even mentioned at all, is she, in, yeah. in Breaking Bad? So, yeah. but um, And then someone like then uh, Michael Mando, who plays Nacho in Better Call Saul. He's only been in 30. And then uh, Howard Hamlin, uh, played by Patrick Fabian. I, I really like Howard in that show. Uh, 36. I don't know if I'm meant to like Howard, but... Um, yeah, but uh, that's kind of interesting. Also, we should all and we we should generally mention sort of our writers and our directors. So, who do you think directed the most episodes of Breaking Bad? Here's a question for you. I think somebody like George Mastress or Peter Gould, like one of those two. Uh, no. Uh, Peter Gould did only two episodes. He directed, um, and George oh, okay. Mastress only directed one. Uh, uh, maybe so they that wrote must have been more. big writing. Yeah, so Sam Catlin. Uh, Sam Catlin only – he didn't direct uh, – one, one episode. Uh, I think you'll kick yourself. This is a pretty obvious answer, I would think, Nick, you would guess for this one. It's not Vince Gilligan. No, it's our friend Michelle McLaren. No, Michelle McLaren, right. 11 okay. episodes she directed. Next right. is Adam Bernstein. Wow. He did eight. Vince Gilligan did five. Colin Buxy did four. Michael Slobus did four. Brian Cranston, three. Terry McDonough, three. Joanne Rennick, three. Ryan Johnson, three. Uh, Scott Winnett, two. Peter Gould, two. And the rest on this list did one. Um, for the writing, so um, obviously Vince Gillian is credited as being the creator and written. So he's technically credited on 62 episodes, even though he wasn't the sole writer on 62. But uh, yeah, Peter Gould was on 11. He did 11 episodes writing them. George Mastress wrote 11. Sam Catlin did 10. Moira Wiley Beckett did 10. Thomas Schnauz did seven, Jennifer Hutchinson five, John Shiban four, Jay Roberts four, Jay Roberts four, and Patty Lynn one. So uh, that's at least I. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because like I know Michelle McLaren like you know on the back of this got quite a few Game of Thrones I think, and um, I think she was touted as being the the director for Wonder Woman, their initial kind of person that they wanted to go to in 2017 to do that movie so um yeah i mean it's no surprise actually when i think about it it just it feels like other names came up more but i think probably that's because i'm confusing the writing as well it's really funny like we put so much time and thought into ryan johnson as being a director because of his episodes being you know like memorable for various different reasons but it's funny to think that you know um, brian cranston has as many directing credits as ryan johnson does on breaking Bad. yeah 
The one actually I loved here, and I, I, I believe we did talk about it in the episode, but I completely forgot he did an episode. Charles Hayde, of course, uh, was Reefer yeah. and Nip Tark, directed a lot yes. and was in um, uh, Captain Finney on Third Watch. So, like, I know him as an actor, but, of course, he's more of a prominent director. So we often talk about here about we've not yet had an actor that we've discovered who has been in, like, all the shows we've covered. We've gotten, like, two out of three, or now that we've sort of done, like, five different shows, I think this one at least has been, like, three out of five or four out of five. But directors-wise, I mean, Charles Hayes directed Third Watch, he's directed Breaking Bad, he's directed Nip Tuck, hasn't done 24, sadly, or hasn't done Lost. So uh, there's another prominent director that we talk a lot about on this show as well. But, I mean, again, this is a dumb question. I did this in Nip Tuck as well, but do you have a favourite writer or a favourite director? Kind of like, you know, who kind of you always think about their episodes and they're always automatically going to be a, a good one? I mean, it's really hard to know. I, I think that there's a there's a real style about Breaking Bad that kind of continues on. I think I think what's interesting about this one is that, um, you know, like you, Vince Gilligan really took a back seat when it came to directing. You kind of think it when I think of things like Nip Tuck, I kind of thought that, you know, and I might be wrong about this, but um, that um, Ryan Murphy directed quite a lot in the early yeah, going, and yeah. then and then starts to you know drop back. Whereas Vince Gilligan didn't really like he doesn't have heaps of directing credits, but obviously has the finales and and things like that. Um, yeah, I think it, it's really interesting because like watching the documentaries, you see that directors. You know, Vince Gilligan said he really wanted to direct more of that final season, but you know, if somebody comes to him and they've got potential and they want to have a go at this, he's never going to say no. So he ended up doing less than he probably intended to. Um, so yeah, I think you know, obviously it's really. I think Michelle McLaren's got such a good mark on the show, but they they all bring something which is really really good. But I, to be honest, I don't think if you said to me who directed this episode with you know without me being able to look, I don't know that I'd be able to tell to be honest, which is a, I think a good thing. I could with Fly. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably straight away go with that one there. Um, yeah, one thing that was to just touch on. We again we go over all the story points when it comes in the in the series recaps and that. But I mean, this is a tricky one to ask for Breaking Bad because it's so well crafted. That like, was there like a main? What was the main story or the main plot point that you think changed this into the direct? Like it's a, you know like. I mean, Walt getting cancer is the obvious one because he becomes a meth dealer. But, like, I mean, it's kind of – was it this whole – I guess it's probably around about the notion of when he became Heisenberg, right? Like, I mean, was it Jane's death? Was it when he killed Crazy Eight? Like, I mean, you, you, there's so many points yeah, that people yeah, debate. There, there, like, there are, there, yeah, there are lots of points. For me, I think the moment that um, – and we're probably starting to get into talking about moments here, and um, this is one I probably put a lot higher than you, which is the one at the end of Half Measures where he kind of shoot, shoots the two um, drug dealers. And to me, mm. it just feels like this is – you know, compared to like – it's not his first kill, of course, because that's Crazy Eight, but Crazy Eight takes a lot out of him to do it. You know, he puts – his own life on the line in order to kind of come finally come to a decision that he has to kill somebody else and it, you know he cries afterwards and things like that whereas that one it's like i just have to do this like i don't have a choice and he's just like shooting people at that blank right point blank range and that feels like there's kind of no turning back at that point that he is just like this kind of cold-blooded killer who will do anything to kind of you know further his own ambitions and i don't think we ever you know before that, I think some of the things he would he was doing, he kind of found himself in a situation that he didn't really like to be in. You know, even with Jane, like he's in tears about that. So, so yeah, for me, I think that's probably it. If I'm thinking, you know, very curse cursory kind of, you know, thinking over the show. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I I still probably say that mine is um is still just the death of Jane because that's kind of the. Like I mean, it's just that's the moment where he kind of really flicks a switch where like he's just being evil 
It's you know, a death like, of I convenience, mean, isn't it? Like, a, yeah. as opposed to Crazy Eight, which is you kind of had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, it's just it's 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 you know, and then then also ultimately becomes a big thing when he kind of rubs that in Jesse's face, you know, uh, later mm. on. So yeah, that's maybe to me. But um, and I guess kind of like with Jesse, I mean, is there a turn? Is falling out of the window from the Milfi uh, kicking her out? I mean, I I I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'd say the death of Jane. I mean, kind of. Yeah, that- I think so. Yeah, that's probably the one where you would look at it basically when it comes to that. But again, I guess it's it's really a tricky one when it comes to the fact that you know it's not like a nip tuck where I feel like you could say like oh when they moved to LA like this is where it changed or this yeah. is where it went from one thing to another or you know lost twenty four. I would argue there's there's more things you can talk about with that. Whereas this is kind of more all um, connected. One thing actually I wanted to quickly add because we obviously talked a lot about it on Nip Tuck because it was a show where this was a big thing. No real like big guest stars like as in. Um, you know, like we obviously had uh, what's his face? Um, the the turtle head guy. Um, uh, yeah, he was the most famous yeah. guy. You're, him. Ho- you're hoping I'm gonna. You're hoping I'm gonna. Yeah, like, you know him, Nick. Here, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. So um, yeah, you yeah, know, give, well, give head too, too soon. Um, quickly Google it. We should edit <laughs> this out. No, but we're gonna show our dumbness. Um, sorry to all the fans that uh, love him to bits. Um, his name is literally on the tip of my tongue. Like it's, it's one of those things. Uh, but anyway, but like outside of that, I mean, you know, I guess, um, we had, uh, what's his face? Uh, QB and like, uh, Huel, like they're pretty prominent actors, like comedians, uh, a lot of friend act, friends actors in this, um, you know, Mr. Heckles and the gang. But, um, yeah, it wasn't really a show where you would argue you had, big name guest stars was it which i kind of like like yeah. it doesn't take away like if all of a sudden you did have val kilmer and el camino it's maybe going to take away from it a little bit so yeah, yeah. danny trojo is the only one Thank really you. isn't he so um, yeah no, so, that's the one yeah that's that <laughs> yeah yeah i think and it is something that like i think the show kind of it, it, it veers away from the popular wherever possible which is why it probably remained a bit of a cult hit for the first couple of seasons like not many big celebrity guest stars, not heaps of pop or popular music, um, to, you know, in, in the show, it's kind of more, you know, abstract titles that you've never heard of for the most part. So um, I think that that's kind of what what keeps people from really noticing it, you know, um, yeah, when it initially started. So, yeah, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm quite comfortable with that. I think it works for the show. We had Charlie Rose in a cameo. That was... Uh, yes, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Somewhat, uh, you know, and real life, Albuquerque news people when it came to the plane crash, which is always, you know, interesting. So, yeah, why not? Um, outside of that, um, we'll get sort of into our rankings and things like that just a moment to close it up. But just two final things, I guess, to touch on, which I think, you know, we do in all of our series recaps. We touched on a little bit last week in El Camino about the potential of a sequel. Um, obviously, this does have a, somewhat of a sequel with uh, Better Call Soul, which... You know, we will look at covering one day potentially, but um, it's, it's weird asking the reboot because I feel Breaking Bad would never get a reboot. It would more of be just a continuation. Like this would never get a reboot. People are going to like, you know, the old female reboot of Breaking Bad. No, um, I I would just say like I'm I'm fine. Like we touched on it last week. Like you don't want to milk it, and they've done that well with Breaking Bad. Like everything they've done with Breaking Bad, they've done it in a way where it works and it doesn't feel like it's like okay, just let this end already. And I think that's where you risk it. But I think Vince Gilligan is smart. Like, he didn't put El Camino out, like, a year after the movie, uh, the show finished. He waited a while. And then kind of when it came about, it was like, yeah, okay, there's enough with this. So 
I, I'm fine if we never get anything extra, but if we do, as I've constantly said, I would like to see something revolving around like Skylar, Holly, Walter Jr., Marie, like see the, the fallout. And I think that is where you could go. I think that Holly would what be like 20 come 2028, like on a 21st birthday, like have it start off with the video that you see Walt filming to her, you know, at her baby shower. And just like, there you go. You've got a whole thing. And the beauty about that is, is that you can literally cast any, you know, 18, 20, 21 year old uh, woman at that point and not have to rely on the fact that, oh, this baby has grown up. And by then, of course, you know, and a gun would be older. Um, RJ Mitty would be older. Like it would fit. It would work. I think you would need to wait how many years away we are from that. But I think that would be the only thing that I would be intrigued in following and seeing that there would still be people out there who would worship Heisenberg and kind of see what that has happened. And maybe Holly gets into the trade because it's a family business or something. I don't know. But if we don't get it, we don't get it. Uh, I'm fine with it either way. But that that would be my personal take on where you could explore this series further. But I don't know if you've got any thoughts on sequels, spin-offs, reboots, anything like that. Yeah, I think your idea is, is one that they could look into. I think even Better Call Saul, I think it's just because, you know, Vince Gilligan and the crew knew that they had this great actor and this great character and that, and there was room to kind of grow it. So I don't even think it was like a, we're going to cash in on this. It was just like, this is too good of a character to, you know, to not do more with. Um, so, yeah, I think, and I think there's, you know, there's prequel opportunities if you wanted to do it. I'm always one that's like, you know, time to call it quits you know the be- the best shows are the ones that end on top um you know you never remember that show that goes for 20 seasons and and should have finished after four you know it's the ones that kind of go out on top so yeah i think the and i think probably like anything people will want to go on and do different things that you know you don't want to stay in that same universe forever so yeah if it is going to happen i think your idea is a good one but um i also don't i'm not desperate to see it either just um, I, I want to talk about the legacy as well. I mean, this is a different one when it comes to all the other shows that we've done because this is probably the highest rated critically acclaimed show we will ever do on this show. Um, I mean, we talked about the amount of Emmys at one Golden Globes uh, in terms of it being ranked uh, as one of the greatest television shows of all time. Um, it, it has been listed there. I mean, TV Guide in 2013 named it the ninth greatest TV show of all time. Uh, the American Film Institute listed it as one of its top 10 television series of 2008, 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. Um, according to The Hollywood Reporter in 2015, uh, a survey of 2,800 actors, producers, directors, and other industry people named Breaking Bad as their second favorite show. Rolling Stone made it the number three on their 100 greatest TV shows of all time. The Guardian says it was also number three on this show. Uh, Empire had it at number one on their 100 greatest TV shows of all time. And Alan St. John of Forbes named it as the best TV show ever and came in third on the BBC uh, on a list of the uh, best shows of the 21st century. So, I mean, look, I, I, I would love to pull up all these lists and kind of see, because I'm always intrigued when you see it coming in like number three, like what beat it? Number um, nine, that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, but again, yeah. But, but it, is, it is one of those things where it is, it's totally... Um, you know, like it's subjective. Everybody will see different things. Like this is my favorite show, but I've never seen The Sopranos. I've never seen The Wire. Well, I've seen a couple of episodes. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I know those are two that kind of come up a lot at these kind of top lists. So it's hard for me to say that this is the best or not the best. It's just my favorite, you know. So, and I kind of look at it like that. Yeah, and like I think there is a thing which I mean, I definitely play into the clickbaitiness of it, where I'm like. 
the top 50 TV shows of all time. Like, it, it, they're, they're not. They're the top. You won't top. believe what comes in at number seven. Yeah, they're my 50 favorite TV shows of all time. It's like my Bond yeah. rankings. Like, yeah. Die Another Day is not the sixth best Bond <laughs> film. Uh, it is not. But to me, it's your it's my, sixth best, mate. It is my sixth. Like, that's it. Like, Third Watch is no way the greatest TV show of all time. But to me, it is. Because uh, it's my favorite, and like that's yeah. where you kind of do it. So, but I'm with you. Like, it kind of comes from a place where it's like, I've not seen some of those shows either. So, you know, the shows that I could literally go, these are like the the greatest when it comes to just the quality of them. I could, it would be a different list. But um, and like this, as I said, is number six on my list of top fifty of all time. So it's still firmly entrenched in my top ten. But it, it's definitely a show I think that lives up to the hype for me. It's one of these ones that everyone's like, oh, watch this, watch this. And I did, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, I mean, the legacy of this show is that, I mean, we really were entrenched, I think, in the golden age of television by the time Breaking Bad came around. Uh, but, like, I mean, it kind of cemented it. This was, it was up, we talked a little bit about in the finale about how this was up there, maybe, you know, Sopranos lost um, event television in the fact that when it ended, everyone was talking about this. And this is a rarity, you know. You think about the, the 21st century, it's, it's it's even less than what we used to have because when, when network television was king and, like, you know, the finale of MASH, the finale of Cheers, like Seinfeld, like Home Improvement, even shows like that you think to yourself now that don't age well, and the Cosby show, like shows that you think like, oh, God, like that, why is that? But like they were event television at the time. And I mean, the highest rated TV show in the history of TV shows is the finale of MASH. That beat out Super Bowls and things like that of, you know, crazy numbers. But like the 21st century, it's different. We don't have that as much because we're so spoiled for choice for TV. And I would say in the 21st century, the shows that have done it, The Sopranos, uh, Friends, because that obviously ended in like 2004. Uh, Lost, even though a lot of people turned off Lost by the time it ended, when it ended, people were back on the train again. Uh, Breaking Bad and then Game of Thrones. They're kind of the shows that even if you don't watch them, you know when they end because they are literally headline news on on TV, the internet newspapers. You know, where are you watching the finale from uh, and, and things like that. Again, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but you can't escape the hype that came around the ending of Game of Thrones. You've never watched Lost, but I'm sure you even remember when Lost ended, like people talking about it. So, yeah, and I think that's the legacy of this show, that this is one of the last real event TV shows we've had because you just because we're so spoiled for choice with great TV now that it just doesn't happen the same way. The cult of this show, and we haven't had one since Breaking Bad, uh, since Game of Thrones. So we're kind of in that period now, I'd argue, we don't have a show like that presently. So that, to me, is a legacy of Breaking Bad. It, the acting abilities, you know, just the, the storyline and the anti-hero, because, again, I think one of the reviews I read here of the show was this kind of destroyed the anti-hero show. Like, this was such a big thing in the 2000s, the anti-hero show. We haven't really had one since Breaking Bad, have we? Like, we have, but not to the extent of this because it kind of did it so well that what everything's just going to compare it now to Breaking Bad. So, yeah, I mean, you can talk about the legacy of this show for, for hours. It, it, this is going to be the biggest legacy that any show we will ever cover on this podcast will have. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a behemoth of a legacy this show has. The only other thing I'd say in terms of legacy is I think it's just that legacy of, um, you know, character-driven performances and story you know like actually the plot serves the characters you know like and, and if you don't believe you know the character's reaction then the plot isn't worth anything and this is why i always think that i'd prefer it over game of thrones that game of thrones feels like let's find a shocking thing to do this week that people will talk about but actually if i don't care about how the the characters on that show react to those things 
then what's the what's the point? Um, whereas point. I think here every, everything is about, and I think we'll probably get into it with our moments. Is that like yeah, the kind of you know the explosions and people being shot and things like that are, are going to feature. But there's I'm pretty sure there's also going to be ones that are personal you know those kind of moments of, of, of people interactions and, and things like that um, and obviously uh, we had this kind of conversation when we were trying to pick between one and two for our top moments of season five so yeah I think it's about you know make make everything go through the characters is the other thing I think is a real legacy of the show as well on top of everything that you said too I want to, uh, before we get to our final because you're begging for this, uh, some rankings, some lists here. I, I like doing these things. Just quickly, I've pulled up a few of these top 100 greatest TV show time, uh, shows of all time list because I just wanted to see. So Rolling Stone, Breaking Bad was three. And, and it's actually weird looking at some of these because they're all very similar top tens. Give me give me a guess at what you think uh, number two and number one would be. Uh, it depends on when it is. I mean, potentially Game of Thrones, potentially Sopranos, um, there's probably some others, the obvious ones that I'm missing. Those are the those are the two that I kind of feel probably are, are in and around it. Um, well, yeah. I'll say the one that always also always, a couple that always generally will get listed always will be things like The Simpsons and Seinfeld as well. Right, so, yeah, um, yeah. But, so on Rolling Stone, number one was The Sopranos. Number two was The Wire. Uh, right. Then Breaking Bad. Mad Men number four. Seinfeld five. I'll just do the top ten. Simpsons six. The Twilight Zone, 7, Saturday Night Live, 8, All in the Family, 9, and The Daily Show at 10. Uh, and according to this, 20, I'm, I'm intrigued some of the other shows. I know Third Watch is going to be in none of these lists, but um, 24 didn't make the Rolling Stones list. Did Lost make the list? Uh, number 39, Lost made And obviously we know Nip Tuck won't make it, sadly, either, so I won't bother searching for Nip Tuck and Third Watch. Um, so if we go to TV Guide, that is where Breaking Bad came in at nine. Uh, Simpsons was at ten. Eight was Mash. Seven, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Six, The Wire. Five, The Twilight Zone. Four, All in the Family. Everyone loves All in the Family. Maybe I'm missing out. Um, three, I Love Lucy. Two, Seinfeld. And number one, The Sopranos. Uh, Lost made it at number thirty-six. And 24 did not make it at all. That's a shame. And The Guardian, so that's where Breaking Bad came in at five. It's the same uh, sweep. All three have The Sopranos at number one. So maybe we're missing out on The Sopranos here. That'd be a cool kind of thing. Like two people who've never watched The Sopranos recap it. That'd be interesting. Um, The Wire in at number two. Mad Men number three. It's another show I'd love to watch is Mad Men. Obviously, The Guardian is British, so there's going to be a few more British shows on this. The Thick of It looks like a British yeah. show. Never heard of it. Number four. Breaking Bad, five. The Office, UK, number six. Game of Thrones, number seven. Fleabag, number eight. Peep Show, number nine. Atlanta, number ten. So, obviously, very British-centric there. Uh, 24. Oh, it made the list. Yay. Number 90. There we go. A bit low, but sure, we'll take it. And does Lost make it? 71 for Lost. Wow, that's low. Uh, one spot below Shameless. So, interesting. But, uh, yeah, always intrigued. Very subjective. Um, episode just, wise- to, just to kind of, just on that, I was just going to say that, um, it would be interesting, like, without getting too ageist, I think probably, like, you know, like, people, like, Gen Xs probably have Sopranos really high, whereas I think if it was all people our age, I'm not sure the Sopranos is one that, at the time it was massive, but I'm not sure that it's kind of like everybody's talking about The Sopranos anymore. I've just looked, it's 86 episodes, so it's not massive. Like, it, it is doable. But, um, I, like, I do think 
like it is one of those ones that is probably a little bit generational, a bit like MASH, you know, MASH was massive for that generation. And it will be interesting to see in kind of 20 years time, if Breaking Bad is still considered to be it's, this masterpiece. It's a great point. And the thing I'd say like with Sopranos, we've just recently had a Sopranos movie, but I've basically seen nothing around that. Whereas when El Camino no. came out, everyone was talking about it. So it's kind of, yeah. And I yeah. think like, again, if you rate these things on like, because it is important, I feel, when you do rate the best TV shows of all time, that you need to have people who are there who can vote on shows like MASH and I Love Lucy because it's it's not fair to just um, vote, you know, Breaking Bad and all these kind of shows because I joke about All in the Family and things like that, but, like, I mean, shows that are groundbreaking at the time, like, in 50 years' time, we might look back at Breaking Bad and go, well, why was that groundbreaking, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, you can easily look back and look at the Mary Tyler Moore show and go, well, why was that groundbreaking? But there are certain moments in TV, like... You know, when a, when a female is a lead star or when you've got like something like The Cosby Show and it's all about like a, a, an African-American family, things like that, which are groundbreaking for the time. Yeah. I mean, we, we grew up in the 90s. We know what TVs were like. Like, you know, you, you look back at a time when CSI was the biggest thing in the world. And you're like, why was CSI? That's so cheesy and crap. But that's how TV shows were back in the day. So, like, kind of yeah. that's how it was. So... Yeah, it's it, it's the same thing with movies and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not one to watch a lot of old. Like you don't really do that. That you don't kind of watch shows that are older than you often. Um, yeah. so the majority of shows that I watch and love have all been in my lifetime that I watch. Whereas like ER, for example, ER was the biggest thing on TV in the mid '90s. It was huge. It was the Breaking Bad of like the mid '90s. Yeah. Now people forget about that and then kind of like. It does look a bit dated when you go back and watch some of the things, but I would still argue old school ER holds up to anything that, you know, a lot of modern shows do because it was ahead of its time. And it, you would watch that and think that it's maybe like an HBO show because it's it's very cable-ish, not very network-ish if you knew what network TV was like in the 90s. So anyway, tangents. Um, just quickly, some of the rankings. So uh, obviously we're not going to re- go over our season rankings. Just a refresher. Uh, that uh, at least I ranked it season five, one, season four, two. As in, okay, so from one to six, uh, one to five, ranking season five as a whole, I went season five, four, one, two, three. You went five, four, one, three, two. So we had exactly the same except for our bottom two. Episodes-wise, um, I'd like you to go over your top ten. I'll let you read that. But um, just a refresher in terms of our, our top tens. And I've got a few lists here which I can see their top few as well. Um, so my ranking, final ranking for the top 10, I had at number one, Ozymandias, of course. Uh, number two, Tohaja Hajali Lili. Uh, and refreshing, that was episode 14, season five, episode 13, season five. Number three, I had Face Off, episode 13 of season four. Number four, I had Crawl Space, episode 11 of season four. So uh, my top four are two episodes basically from two uh, seasons. Well, two seasons, you know what I'm saying. Number five uh, was my number one for a very long time. Ended up in the top five. I'm happy. Better call soul episode eight of season two number six gliding over all episode eight of season five the pilot still stays in the top 10 for me uh 1.1 obviously uh number seven number eight was granite state uh very underrated episode episode 15 of season five uh number nine hermanos episode eight of season nine and number 10 the finale episode 16 of season five for lena so i had a representative from every single season in my top 10 except for poor old season three that was reflected why that was my lowest season but i will say full measure and one minute came in at 11 and 12 so uh (laughs) they just missed out so very close yeah it's good to have a a decent spread so mine's a a little bit similar quite dominated by season four and five but a a, a sprinkling of other seasons so my top was ozymandias number two was was face off um season four episode 13 three was crawl space 
four, episode 11. Uh, four was Gliding Overall, season five, episode eight. Five was Tahajali, season five, episode 13. Six was uh, Full Measure, season three, episode 13. Um, seven was season four, episode 10, Salud. Um, eight was uh, season five, episode 16, the finale, Felina. Um, Nine was season three, episode seven, one minute. And ten, I'm glad I managed to get a season one episode still in there, which was episode one, uh, sorry, episode six of season one, Crazy Handful of Nothing. So we've actually got like quite a few different ones there. Like our our top, top ones are quite similar, but kind of like our five to, well, six to ten are quite different. I want to mention our bottom ones in a moment, but like the the interesting (laughs) thing just with the buy, rent and bin scenario um, so you ended up only renting five episodes. Um, yep. So you bought 57 episodes. You, you spent a lot of money on this show, Nick. Uh, so good job. Whereas uh, literally, I, literally, I might say as well, spent a lot of money li- on this li- show. Literally, I rented 12 and binned one. So I bought 49. So obviously I binned fly. Um, so yeah, my uh, bottom few, uh, maybe just the bottom three, I guess, 62, 61, 60. So yeah, fly, bottom for me episode all, all my bottom three are season three episodes um so episode 10 of season three fly of course ift 3.3 and then kafkaesque 3.9 uh so yeah my lowest season one episode is cancer man my lowest season two episode is over lowest season three obviously lowest season four episode was 38 snub and my lowest season five episode was magical so uh, yeah what are your bottom three i forget my bottom three are um, Cancer Man, Season 1, Episode 4, Over, Season 2, Episode 10, um, and my lowest rated was IFT, Season 3, Episode 3. Um, yes, yeah, so I had um, one rent from, from every season except five, um, and I had two from, from Season 3. Um, I, I still kind of wonder if I should have rented down, which was Season 2, Episode 4, which is in at 57 for me as a buy. I think that was one you talked me into it, and I, I still wonder if I uh, if I got the wool pulled over my eyes on that one. Uh, uh, I, I think there was some good stuff if I go back and think about it. But, um, yeah, that was the one I always kind of benchmarked. It's like, is it better than down? Because if it's better than down, I have to buy it. Um, and so that kind of, yeah, kind of ended up. But, look, you know, I, I love the show, and so to have that many buys is not a surprise. Like, um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of always thought that might be the case, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely stand by all those buys. The ones I'll just quickly go over here in terms. Of, so we, we obviously referred to a lot throughout this the Ringer, and then we also did every now and then Vulture. So just going over their top ten and their bottom three. Uh, so Aussie Mandius number one. This is the Ringer, I should say. Full measure number two. Face off number three, one minute number four. Where did you have face off on your list? Was that in the top ten? Was I listening? That was two. Yeah, that was two. Okay, sorry. Um, one minute number four, box cutter number five, pilot six, granite state seven, say my name eight, crawl space nine, and and the bags in the river made their top ten. Uh, and just their bottom three was hazard pay, which yeah, sure, bug and shotgun. Um, for vulture, their top ten, Ozymandias. Uh, Tahajali, hey, they had that at number two as well. Hey, my uh, top two was the same as Vulture. Look at that. Um, then Felina, they had at number three. Gliding all, all all over, number four. One minute, number five. Face off, number six. Salute, number seven. Crawl space, eight. Confessions, nine. Pilot, ten. And their bottom three were Breakage at 62, ICU at 61, and Mass at 60. So no one hates IFT as much as we do or Fly. The one I found here, uh, which is one, a new one, so this is Medium, medium.com. They've got a different number one. They've got Face Off at number one, followed by 
Full measure? Ozymandias not even in the top two. Half measure's number three. Where's Ozymandias on this list? Uh, Felina, number four. Confessions, number five. Ozymandias, six. Wow, okay. Tahajali, number seven. Crawl Space at eight. Salute at nine. And End Times at ten. And their bottom three, Grey Matter at 62, Cancer Man at 61, Breakage. So where the fuck is Fly on their list? Uh, Fly at 28. Wow. This is like the the hipster list for sure. All of them are hipster because I feel all three of them have Fly relatively high. They've got IFT at 57. So, um, sure, there we go. Um, But I guess you're waiting, Nick. You're waiting patiently for us to get to this top 10. So... Uh, if, you, if you're listening to this for the first time and think this is a good starting point, what we do at the end of every season is we do a, seri- a season recap. So just general kind of what we're doing here, just some summaries. And then we basically um, put together our top five moments. So at the end of every season, we have a top five moment. We rank them from one to five. And then they ultimately all become nominees for the overall top ten moments at the end. Now, this is one of those shows that we actually stuck to five per season. We didn't go, oh, we need to have six in this season because we can't come up with a idea. So we're stuck to five. So there are 25 nominees. I'm not going to go through all of them. And then what Nick and I do is we rank them from one to 25 and then we compile it based on points. So the number one moment that we both vote for, that moment gets 25 points. Number two gets 24 points. Number three, 23 points, so on and so forth. And... Nick doesn't know these yet. I basically ranked mine from 1 to 25. I'd already got Nick's list, but I didn't want to cheat. I didn't want to kind of make this so I could sway the results. So I've completely done this honestly. And we now come up with our top 10 moments of Breaking Bad, which I've put together in a little video. But sadly, copyright restrictions we can't release, but uh, we'll have the list on our website. So, Nick, any thoughts, predictions, excitement, not excitement? What are you thinking ahead of this? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you and I kind of um, were quite similar, but we do have some differences in terms of, you know, you know, and I, th- I think the big question is, do you put the iconic moments in or do you put the moments that you really like for a good acting moment or a good action moment that may not be as iconic? You know, I think the, the ones that are at the bottom of my list, I'd be very surprised if we're talking about the intervention scene from um, season one, episode five, Grey Matter. Um, you know, that that's about the only one I'm absolutely sure would be on this list actually see any of the others and look it's a list of 25 they're all good and so like i'm 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 really not i'm, I'm not nervous because like they're, they're all good and i think you and i differences on what we like and and so that that might show up i think we got luck that we both selected the same number one so that was you know number one with a bullet um but but yeah I, I'm, I'm just interested to kind of see what we ended up landing on spoiler alert both of our number 25 was the intervention scene from Grey Matter. So, and yeah, that, I, felt, that felt like a one that we had a, an awesome top four and then we just couldn't really figure out what number five was going to be. Okay, I'll, I'll give over some stats things at the end because I don't want to spoil anything. All right, so at number 10, we have, with a total of 32 points, it was a tie, but uh, the one above it got higher because the tie-breaking procedure I did was based on where we ranked it in that season if that makes right, sense. Right, okay. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, on 32 points from Season 1, Episode 1, The Pilot, The Opening Scene. Uh, so you ranked that uh, a little bit lower than I did, uh, but I ranked it high. I'll go over some of these. I won't drag this out too much. Uh, also on 32 points from Season 4, Episode one box cutter Gus slits Vincent's throat. 
So that's Is it Vincent uh, or Victor? I thought it was Victor. Victor. I got confused. Oh, if I put Victor, uh, Vin- oh, I'm thinking of the dog from Lost. Um, <laughs> good for me. We had him on the freaking show, Ben. Uh, hello, Jeremiah, if you're listening. Um, I'll, I'll fix that. Don't worry. Good good old Ben getting things wrong. Um, I can't even spell Victor right now. No wonder I couldn't put him on there. I uh, can't even spell the guy's name. So, um, again, chime in if you've got any thoughts of these. If all of a sudden, like, if you think, like, oh, wow, that should have been uh, that earlier or something like that. Or no, well, I mean, I or- mean, um, the opening scene, I think, I, I think you always like that a little bit more than me. But I liked it as well. And I had it at 13, so just outside. And um, and the second one, um, the, the box cutter scene, I had at 10. So, kind of roughly kind of where I thought they might be anyway. I'll just quickly spoil this and say you and I both had the box cutter scene at exactly the same place on right. this list. So we, we had it there. 34 points from season five, episode 16, the final showdown at the compound. So we've got the opening scene and the closing scene at number 10 and then number eight. So uh, that's <laughs> you had, had that, that quite high. Yeah. You had that at fifth. Um, spoiler alert for me, I had that at 13th. Uh, so, I mean, and again, I'll say I voted mine based on like, there are definitely scenes where I'm like, okay, that is an iconic moment, but I'm like, no, but I like this moment better. So I kind of, yeah. I guess, contradicted myself on some of my arguments for why certain things should make this top five in the beginning. But I just looked at this and like, I love this scene so much more than that scene. And I think for me, I, I, I probably gave it a few extra bonus points because, it, you know, it being the closing episode and so much pressure on it to deliver. So, you know, in the cold light of day, maybe it's not as good as I maybe think it is, but I think in the context of it is why I gave it such a high rating. At number eight, uh, no, number seven we're up to, Ben. Thank you very much. I should really uh, – I'm, I'm doing well at the end of this episode, aren't you? You think I would have uh, done a few of these by now that I could actually get things right, but clearly I can't. Um, at number seven, another tie. So uh, it was tied on 35 points, but again, one got higher because it finished higher. From season five, episode – Eight, gliding overall, it's Hank finds out Walt is Heisenberg. A moment that nearly didn't even make our top five. Yeah. Um, makes it in at number seven. And you and I rated that very closely again. So you had that at ninth. I had that at eighth. So uh, yeah, and I and I think close. like you made you made a really good case for that when we did our season five um, wrap up. So um, I think you've got yourself to thank for that one because I think yeah, you you really t- talked me into that one. I'll take that. Uh, it's interesting here, the other one that was tied in this, another Hank moment from Season 3, Episode 7, One Minute, Hank Shootout with the Twins. So, uh, again, you ranked that uh, actually a little bit lower than I did. You had that at 11th. I had that at 6th, so I had that a lot higher. But, um, yeah, very interesting there. So two Hanks tied there, uh, but obviously uh, the shootout gets it because it finished at number 1 in Season 3, so that's why it goes there. Into our top 5 now. And you'll see a bit of a trend, I feel, with our top five. At fifth, <laughs> from season two, episode 12, Phoenix, Jane's death, uh, which you're nodding in agreement with that one. So uh, we're Yeah, well, I mean, I just I looked at close. my list and, and season two was the one I always had a little bit of a problem with. And I've got quite a few of the our top five for season two are fairly low down the, the list, but... Um, Jane's death is quite high up. It was number eight on my list, and it was that was the highest season two moment that I had. So, yeah, totally expected this to be here. Same with me. I had it at number five. Um, in number four, from season one, episode three, and the bags in the river, it's the number one moment from that season. We ranked Walt Kills Crazy Eight. You had that at number six. I had that at number three. 
So, um, yeah. again, another number one moment. So, so three number one yeah, moments in yeah. a row, basically, from 6-5 Yeah, four. yeah. And, and uh, yeah, a great scene here. I think I'm just interested now because I, my top four, one of them's not going to make the list at all at the moment. Um, so I've, my, none of my top four have gone yet, um, and we've got three spots left. So I'm really interested to see which of those it is. I'm going to say the one that didn't make it, that you're talking about made it number 11 and it's my thoughts right. because I had that right. a lot lower than I probably should. <laughs> um, and I, I it actually surprised me when I looked at my list. Wow. I had that very low, but again, it comes down to, I like other scenes above it more. Yeah. The so, quality of all not, these scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And so like people will probably rip into me for having that scene so low, but we'll get to that. Um, at number three from season five, episode 14, Ozymandias, it's, because there's two moments from this episode. Hank's death uh, comes in. So uh, more Hank. We've had a lot of Hank so far in this top ten. Shows his popularity. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people would have thought this might be number one. You know, like I think that, well, that you might had be a bit of a two. shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think we kind of um, – we talked a lot about that in our kind of season five wrap-up about, you know, the scene. Um, and, you know, like going into this, when I was starting to put my list together, I, I thought for sure that this would be number two overall and it was number two but it wasn't the number one i was expecting when i put my list together so yeah i had it at number four so blame me but i will just say like in terms of the point situation the top three literally separated by three points um and even number four was like so the top four all got 40 points of course the maximum you get is 50 so 40 points or more so um i think i've just realized what the one is that's not making it as well i think i've i think i've figured it out (laughs) Walk Killing Crazy 8 uh, got 43 <laughs> points. Hank's Death got 46 points. At number two, this was one of our number ones because we both had a different number one, uh, and somebody had it at number three. So I, I don't know if you worked it out on that one. So from season four, <laughs> episode 13, Face Off, The Death of Gus. So you had that at number three. I had it at number one. It got 48 points. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, I looked at my like my top two. I'm like, either of them could be number one. But straight away, I'm like, look, no. This to me is number one just because this is the one that I rewound like five times. It's maybe up there, I think, with the a famous House of Cards death is like the most shocking death I've ever seen on TV. And like, it's not even like it's a shocking death. It's just a manner in which you see it and just the graphic nature of it. And Plus, I fucking love Gus. So, um, yeah, I I had this as my number one. I'm like, okay, no, that's number one for me, which I'm sure then you can probably guess your number one moment. You had it at number one. I had it at number two from season five, episode 14, Ozymandias. Skylar attacks Walt as Walt realized. He has now lost everything. Uh, so that's our number one. Your number one is number one, Nick. Uh, beat out by the death of Gus by one point. So uh, <laughs> there you go. I mean, just quickly before I get, get you give you your thoughts on the number one and everything. Um, actually, no, give your thoughts on the number one and I'll give those stats in just a moment. I'll yeah, and no, I think like going into this, I thought I was going to pick um, Gus's death scene as number one um, and it was going to be a like does Hank's death get in there above it or not and I think actually you've only got yourself to blame because actually you did such a good job of talking up that that scene from um, from Ozymandias and I think it is just it is that moment where Walt kind of realises that his family's not with him he's done all this you know and and he's used the justification of his family and and it's all fallen to pieces and I think it just, and also just the brutality and how hard it is to watch you know it is just like it's not something you see on TV in such a brutal fashion. So yeah, I, and, and the fact that you know, like you've got um, two great characters there, but also the likes of RJ Mitty gets a great moment um, in there as well. Um, 
yeah, it's just it's just this kind of culmination of so much kind of happens in that scene, and which is true for Gus as well. His death is a culmination of a lot of things as well. So I think they're a worthy kind of one two, um, and I'm glad. Like, kind of just selfishly a little bit glad that it isn't just a one-two from season five because season four is so good and it's nice to have it in there you know as, as moment number number two um and and obviously number nine as well but to have you know the top three to have a, a season four moment i think is really good well just the stats wise every season was represented at least once every single number one moment from each season got in uh although you'd think that the top five moments would all be our number one moments it wasn't because the number three is a number two moment um and from the same episode as our number one so um season five had four of the five moments made it basically uh so the only season five moment that didn't make it uh was the train robbery um season four had two moments make it season three and season two only had one moment each make it and then season one had two moments make it the one you're obviously begging on the i am the danger <laughs> so you had that at number four i i i'm sorry breaking bad i had that at 19 and it's not that i think it's like that bad it's just i like 18 other scenes better than it like i get the iconic nature of it and it maybe should be in there but i mean yeah, I mean, maybe that's the one that if I had seen your list beforehand and kind of skewed things, I probably might have been a bit like, you know, okay, that should really be in the top 10. But please, Breaking Bad fans, shoot us down because, I mean, that probably is the one that really should be in there. Other ones here that, like, had a big discrepancy, um, I mean, again, I knew you were going to rank this higher. You had uh, Walt running over the drug dealers and shooting them at number seven. Um, I had that actually at 18. So, again, it's not to take away that I don't like it. It's just, again, I like other things better. The other big one, I think, on the flip side of things, I had Walt breaking down in the crawl space. That's maybe the one to me that was a bit shocked at that didn't make it. Um, But you had that a lot lower than I did. So you had that at 18. I had that at 9. Um, and other ones were pretty much around about a uh, bit of a discrepancy between Jesse rushing to Gail's apartment and shooting them. Um, I actually had that at 20th, believe it or not. You had that at 14th, so a bit of a discrepancy. But everything else is only like a spot here or there, kind of, uh, I guess, um, you know, around about. And, and like a bottom, a bottom, and again, these aren't bottom moments. It's just in terms of what you think. So a bottom five. Uh, so, um, at last was the intervention scene. Skylar leaving Walt was the second last. Jesse's speech to Walt in the hospital was third last. The head on the Taurus exploding was fourth last. And the standoff with Walt and Jesse and Hank in the RV was fifth last. I was disappointed. Spooge killed by the ATM. Just snuck into the top 20. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I think we've done a good job of not just having, um, the kind of, you know the ones that the, the kind of iconic moments because they you know other than the I'm the danger I think there might be people going well you know where's the bathtub you know where you know that's that's a big one that's not on there um, potentially even um, you know things like the um, Walt being threatened in the desert by Gus you know that's not on there um, but to me I think we've actually captured I think the best moments um, you know and and I think you know if I was making this list alone there might be ones that aren't even on this this group of 25 like I still really like which you see my episode ratings the stuff that salute with Don Eladio which you now we had that conversation in season four and it didn't make it but you know that's the whole thing about two different inputs coming in is that there'll be stuff that i that I've gotten there that you you wish that we didn't have and vice versa and and that's what makes it cool you know so, but I do think that that list overall is, is great I'm really pleased there's something from every season um, that that's really exciting to me um, 
It's, it's really funny too, like thinking going back to Nip Tuck is that obviously I said, you know, our number one moment was the same and it was from season one. And it's kind of cool to have stuff from the end of the show at the top of this list um, as opposed to being like, okay, well, we watched the best, you know, the best moment we watched in season one, which was six seasons ago. You know, like we actually, the, the thing that that we like the most is at near the end, which is which is really cool. One thing I'll add, people are probably screaming, where's Say My Name? It didn't even make our top five of that season. So, I mean, that's the, the probably the most controversial one of all and it didn't make anything. But, um, yeah, I like that kind of what you say there. And, like again, as I said at the beginning of this, this is the third time we've done a series recap. Obviously, hopefully Loss is aired at this point. But so, like, and two of the three that I've done, I've done with you. So, um, it's it's interesting that kind of we've got that two there. But you're right. Like, our top two were the same on Nip Tuck. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other one that you have done was with three people, wasn't it, when you did which, Third Watch? It. And look, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm not – this isn't me Dean – I'm not – no, okay, I'm not going to say it that way. Dar- Darvell and Brandy were great, but, like, our, it was all – that was very much all over the place. And we had more moments because there were six seasons and there was, like, I think three seasons we had tied for, like, six places. We actually had 33 right. moments ranking that one. And my – like, my number one, which to me I still stand by the fact that that is the number one moment of Third Watch – um, I, I literally cry my eyes out every single time I watch that episode and I just think it's so goddamn emotional and so damn well. That only just made the fucking top 10 at 10th. Um, so I was like, <laughs> none of our number ones made number one. Right. Uh, my number two was what made number one and Brandy's number four. Um, well, I think with two of us, there's a lot more power in you putting something one, especially if you think it's not yeah. going to be number one. But And I think we were, we were largely on the same page. Like I'm thinking the ones that I... From you know, like I look down my you know my top, my you know the the lowest one that I've got that made the top ten was thirteen, you know, mm. and twelve didn't. So eleven and eleven and thirteen made our overall top ten. Um, yeah, and the lowest the ones one that I didn't had. make it. So my my four and my seven didn't make it. And you know, like I think we just have a different take on that um, half measures thing. Like I, I absolutely love it, but it's not something that that you love, and that's cool. You know, that's absolutely fine. I, I do love it. It's just a case of I just like other things better. Yeah, but, and that's, um, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. There's so many good scenes that it's really, really hard to kind of, um, yeah. you, you know, like where do you rank? And I, I found that with episodes too of like, you know, like I think when I looked at Granite State as an episode, I think I had that like an 18. And it's an mm. awesome episode, but I just I couldn't put it ahead of Cornered and Box Cutter and Better Call Saul, you know, which are the ones above it. My, my lowest was also 13, funnily enough. Um, yeah, but even just looking at this third watch one, like, Brandy's number one came in at fourth and Darvell's number one came in at fifth. So none of our number ones um, even made the top three. And yeah. that's judged on like three. Percent. I mean, that's always going to be the most complicated one we do because even on loss, again, at the time of recording this, we haven't um, done it. But I know for a fact that it's only going to be Noah and I. Um, so, yeah, I know there was at least one tie on loss because I, I fought for Boone's death to make the top. Well, six on that season. Come on, you gotta, you gotta have poor old Boone, not Boone's death. Spoiler I don't know what again, you're talking it? about. <laughs> beautiful man, Ian Summerholder. What a man! He's a beautiful. <laughs> if you're a Vampire Diaries fan, you probably know him more than right. that now. Um, basically, this is it. We're wrapping it up now. Um, just before we wrap it up, wrap it up. Any final thoughts on Breaking Bad? Anything that you want to get out now? Reiterate. You've you've waited all these episodes to say that you're just you're, you're stalking Betsy Brandt now because you've got this crush on her. Um, I mean, now is your chance, Nick. Soapbox Breaking Bad style. You can get it all out right now. 
yeah, call me Betsy, call me anytime. But um, but I, I do think like even when we had that kind of um, that flashback to season one, episode one, and Betsy, I think she's looking so much better at the end of the show than she does at the start. <laughs> I'm, I'm standing by it. But no, I think, you know, like it's been a real, real pleasure to kind of go through this and break it down episode by episode. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, and I'm really happy we did it. It's, you know, it's been time well spent. Um, you know, I, I love Niptuck. It was great to talk it through. Um, but there's just been something really special about talking this this one through. Um, um, so yeah, th- thanks to you, Ben. It's been great to kind of have somebody who's as passionate about it as me. Um, really, really enjoyed it, and it's one of those things now of like I don't love listening to myself talk, but when I go back and watch this next time, I'll probably listen to the podcast as I as I watch the episodes. You know. Yeah, thank you for for joining because I mean it's you sort of said at the beginning of the episode that it it is a commitment to do these. You know, we're we're we've got to arrange you know to sit down for for an hour, right? And we and kind of how we do this is we generally do two episodes in a recording and there was a large portion of this the reason we got this recorded so quickly is we were doing two nights a week so we were recording four episodes a week and if you think about that you've got to watch the episode you've got to take notes you've got to you've got to prep it you've got to edit it you've got to put it up so like it's 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 simple to think about but it's it's a lot more tricky and I'm not, it's not me complaining it's just it is a bit of a project to do uh, and we've all got lies well at least one of us does on this show um so you know it, it, it you've got to work around that but um you know it's it's enjoyable i i've i've thoroughly enjoyed talking about the show too because again as i've said multiple times it's it's maybe the show on this these recaps that we've done now on the oz network that i've watched the least so um it's kind of it's good to have that insight and have you on the show where you've got books you've got knowledge you're smarter um you, you know you can you can add to these things too so and i will also say it's, it's been a pleasure like it's always we've been very lucky on this show that uh, each of the five recaps series that we're we've done or are doing is that we've been lucky enough that we've been able to speak to people from the show as well and i think that's yeah. an honor in itself and obviously breaking bad we've had uh, jeremiah bitsui and charlie baker on not to the extent we've had on some of our other shows but that's not to take away from the value they put this would always be the show that you're never going to get Brian Cranston, you're never going to get Aaron Paul you're not going to get these people on the show whereas Third Watch, Nip Tuck, we're going to be a bit luckier to get some of these people so I think that in itself always adds a little bit to get a couple of the people who are on this show who we've talked about and we're lucky enough to have their time to learn a little bit more about being on Breaking Bad and we don't know who we might pick up in the in the future exactly. as well, you know. So so that's the thing. Um, but yeah, and and you know, shout out to you as well for doing all that back end stuff. Yeah, like I'm I'm doing all buying the books and stuff, but you're doing the editing, and and that's that's hard work, you know, doing all that that extra work. And it's quite funny to think, you know, like it hasn't taken us that long to do this, but you know, like I've moved Listen cities. Yeah, like I, I live in a different town than I did when we started. Like I'm recording yeah. at my mum's house because I'm staying at her place this weekend, and you know, so I've been kind of you know, recorded in three or four different locations. So, yeah, I mean, we've got it done and I'm really, really glad. And I think, you know, like, I think the quality of what we've done has been has been good. Like, we've had some good conversations. I'm sure the listeners disagree. They think it's shit. But, um, you know, I've enjoyed it and that's all that matters really at the end of the day. If you're not doing it because you enjoy it, then, um, then what's the point? And in all seriousness, like we know we don't have the biggest listenership base, you know, and it's 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 fine. Like like at the end of the day, we enjoy it, and it's kind of we hope that if two people listen to it, and enjoy something, that, that that it's great. And I think I now know that when we eventually do do friends, Nick, that it will be done quickly because <laughs> you, I mean you are the only one who has been this committed that we've done two of these, you and I. Um, whereas still fucking doing loss with Noah. Um, that's, been since 2017 uh third watch we got through eventually and 24 we've obviously only just started with colin and that's going to be the longest one we ever do because that's you know eight nine ten seasons worth um 24 episodes every season so yeah and like for you and i like 
again, you said before, you take a bit of a break because it is a bit time-consuming. You want to kind of regroup and get settled and stuff. Better Call Soul, I would say, probably is realistically the one we will do and something that you and I have talked about that maybe we wait till it's completely finished so that you can kind of digest it, which would make sense. Um, I, honest to God, would do Friends With You. That sounds really wrong. Um, but, like, I, I, I've always... <laughs> I've always wanted to recap Friends, and I think that it actually won't be as tedious as you think it will be because I legitimately think we can knock out Friends recaps in half an hour. Um, stop, stop trying to make this happen. It's not going to happen. One um, day when I legitimately am at the ebbs of ebbs and completely no life and so desperate. Oh, <laughs> Colin's left, yeah. Noah's left, everyone's left, and then we can get to Joey as well. Yay. If I, um, if, if I break a leg or something and I can't leave the house or I get COVID and I can't leave for like you know, weeks <laughs> on end, then, then maybe that's the thing to do. But, yeah, I mean – Better Call Saul will be great to talk through. And I mean, um, yeah, I remember seeing lots of stuff and, and, you know, tweets from people going, it's the better show of the two. Now, I don't agree with that. Like, I like Breaking Bad better. To be fair, I've only watched Better Call Saul once. Um, it just doesn't grab me in quite the same way, but it is still really good. Bob Onikirk's amazing. It is more of a slow burn. And I do remember kind of starting to watch it episode by episode and, and struggling a bit. And so I would wait for the whole season to come out and then watch it on a binge. And it was a lot better. So I think it's, it is actually quite a different show from this one. Um, but, you know, there's some great characters in that one, like Michael McKean and, you know, like some really cool characters that kind of come through. So, so yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a fun one to go through and, and obviously has some some big links to Breaking Bad and, and the, those links get bigger as you get along the show's run. So, yeah, definitely keen to come back. I mean, I don't think we don't want to rush into it. You know, whether or not we wait until the whole thing's out, it, you know, that could take a while. I still don't think they've actually, at the time of recording this, announced when it will, will start, the mm. final season. So we'll, we'll see how things go, you know. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's definitely nice to take a bit of a break. But I'm, I'm actually quite excited to go back and look at that better call Saul. I'm a, I'm a Kim fanboy, so I, I want to talk about. Yeah, my she's Kim. great. I, lo- I love her. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. So uh, there you go. But I mean, outside of this, as we mentioned, 24 is going. Lost hopefully is done. If not, it's still going. Listen to that. Um, and if you want to go back and listen to what Nick and I did prior to this, Nip Tuck, uh, great show, which I highly recommend going back and listening to that. And of course, uh, Third Watch completed as well. Uh, too little, I guess. Well, Nip Tuck wasn't really a fringe show. It did win a Golden Globe for Best Drama. Third Watch, much more of a fringe show that not many people, which, again, uh, long by the time recording this, it's fresh, but by the time this has been released, new, if you're listening to us in the US or Canada, you can watch it on Roku now. It's free on streaming. And if you are living in Australia, you can watch it on 7 Plus, free for streaming as well. So uh, if you've ever thought, well, what's that weird Third Watch show they cover? I've never heard of it. You can actually watch it now. So um, it is, is available for that. But. I'm sure we've got other great shows that are like movies and shit that we're doing at this point. Uh, don't know. Who knows? I don't even know where I am in the world right now when this has been released. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to our Breaking Bad coverage. But stay tuned to the Oz Network. We're not going anywhere. My name is Ben. And do I have to beg you? Just stick it in there. <laughs> My name's Nick. And uh, we've no one to answer to but ourselves. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>